And good evening, we're in Psalm 119, and we read in verses 17 to 24, Gimel. A couple of things before we read it. One is the prayer form of the passage, and you see it in the first four verses, 17, 18, 19, and 20. The psalm exists very much in a form of spiritual petition, with the psalmist asking the Lord to do certain things for him. And as we work through the psalm tonight, I want you also to notice and look at verses 21 to 24 that the context of these prayers is that the psalmist is asking the Lord to answer. The context is trouble. So often as we've studied psalms together, we've noted that the prayers of adoration, the prayers of thanksgiving, the prayers of confession, the prayers of petition are located in a situation where the psalmist is overwhelmed with trouble in his life. And that is indeed the context of these spiritual petitions that we encounter in the first four verses in the psalm. In the second part of the psalm, when he speaks of the insolent, the accursed, those who have scorn, scorn and contempt, princes that are plotting against him, you see the context of the trouble that he is in. Once again, he is pursued. He told us, told us earlier in the psalm that he feels like a stranger in verse 19. So that you get uh, a sense that there is trouble, but it is clear when you get to verses 21 to 20. Four. As we work through this psalm together, I want you to look at the four petitions that we meet in verses 17, 18, 19 and 20. The first petition is for God's favour so that the psalmist can live by the word. The second petition is for God by his spirit to open the psalmist's eyes so he might see the glories of the word. The third petition, verse 19, is that even as he's living as a pilgrim in the world, that God's word will be his guide and the fourth petition is this announcement of being enthralled with the word of God and the psalmist's desire for God to grow his delight in the word of God. So let's read verses 17 to 24, this psalm, Gimel. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules, at all time, you rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counsellors. May the Lord bless this reading of Psalm 119. Troubles will try us whether we fear God or not when trouble strikes when tribulation comes when trials arise somehow i'm not expecting them and the word of god in general in this psalm in particular reminds us that that is a grave spiritual mistake and it is so important for us to understand that the living god through his word to his people is to prepare us for the troubles we will face in life because we will face troubles we will encounter disappointment some so great that we think that our hearts cannot bear them. So it's vital for us to understand that context if we're going to appreciate the petitions that we come across in this psalm. Jesus said to his own disciples on the night that he was betrayed, in this world you will have tribulation. That is the Lord Jesus speaking to his disciples. He has not been pessimistic, he has been realistic. And he's saying to his disciples, in the world you will have tribulation you encounter tribulation you will live in tribulation but in me you have peace in the world you have tribulation but take courage because 
I have overcome the world. And it's important for us to understand that. As we read the scriptures together, it is important for us to relate the troubles of scripture to our troubles, lest we think that the troubles of scripture are unreal and our troubles are real. The irony of that is that it will not only rob us of it will only rob us of comfort that God intends for us. So we're, when we're reminded of the context of trouble, we should relate it to our own troubles. If our hearts have been broken by a child or if our hearts have been broken by a parent or financial troubles or all manner of things, but relate that trouble to the counsel of the word of God about trouble, because that is what the word is there for. So the petitions of this psalm about the word of God are located in a backdrop, a context of trouble. And we should and must relate that to ourselves. All of us will face trouble whether we fear God or not. The only question is, will we have the peace that God intends his children to have, even in trouble? In the world you'll have tribulation, but in me you'll have peace, Jesus said. So as we approach these four petitions tonight, I want you to remember that backdrop, the context of trouble. In the midst of trouble, the psalmist lifts up these four petitions. The first is praying for favour. You see it in verse 17 so clearly, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. The psalmist asked the Lord to deal bountifully with him that he may live and keep the Lord's word. Understand what the psalmist is saying here. This is a profound prayer. Repeatedly in the Psalms and elsewhere in scripture, prayers like this indicate the desire for the Lord to bestow real life, a quality of life that is worthy of the name, a spiritual life that is found only in fellowship with God. And the psalmist is saying, Lord, would you deal generously, kindly with your servant that I may have real life in keeping your word. And remember, set that in the context of the serpent's temptation to even Adam. He said, if you want to have real life, disobey his word. But the psalmist's prayer in the midst of trouble is blocking that word of temptation from the serpent and is saying, dear Lord, deal bountifully with me that I may have life in living your word because I know that your word isn't there for a curse and your word does not inhibit life. No, your word gives life. Show me your bountiful favour that I may live by your word. And the psalmist asks that the Lord would deal bountifully with him. It's a plea to God's grace. He isn't asking the Lord to give him what he deserves. He's asking the Lord to deal with him in grace. He isn't pleading his merit or his worthiness. He is coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, you are generous out of your bounty. Give me this gift. And I want you to dwell on that for a few moments, because no matter what kind of trouble you are in, if you're a believer in Jesus, the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. The humblest and poorest of us possess unsearchable riches that the greatest pagan kings and rulers of the world cannot begin to comprehend. We possess unspeakable blessings, life, forgiveness, acceptance, renewal. The meek shall inherit the earth. God is your father. Christ is your brother. The Holy Spirit is your sanctifier, comfort and guide. All the wealth of the world isn't worth one half of one covenant blessing and all the blessings are yours. Henry Light is a man who knew trouble. Henry Light's mother died when he was a young boy and his father remarried and there wasn't a good relationship between Henry Light and his stepmother. And Henry Light was sent off to boarding school. When he was at boarding school, his father wrote to him and said, Henry, 
I think it would be better if you no longer called me father, but you call me uncle. I cannot imagine how devastating that would have been to a teenage or almost teenage boy. But listen what Henry Light says in his hymn, Jesus, I my cross have taken. Um, I sent you the words earlier, so maybe you, if you hopefully would have them with you. Take my soul, thy full salvation, rise all sin and fear and care. So he wants Henry Light to conquer his sins and his fears and his worries. Joy to find in every station, in every situation of life, there is joy to be found. Something still to do or bear. It's Lord, I know you've called me to do something or bear up under something. And then how does he encourage himself? Think what spirit dwells within thee. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Paraclete of God dwells in me. What a father's smile is thine. I have a hard time singing that line, knowing what Henry Light experienced in life. But what is clear, Henry Light understood that he had a heavenly father who loved him and would never say, Henry, you need to call me uncle from now on in. He knew he could cry Abba to his father and his father would always be there. And then listen to what he says. He knows his father's smile. He has his spirit dwelling in him. He has his father's smile. What a saviour died to win thee. Think of the saviour who died to save me. Child of heaven, shouldst thou repine. Henry Light is reflecting exactly the context of Psalm 119, 17 to 24 throughout that beautiful hymn. He knows the deep, dark, hard troubles of life. What does he look to? He looks to God and says, deal bountifully with me. And then he thinks, Lord, you've given me your spirit. You've given me the smile of the father that I didn't know in this life. And you've given me such a great saviour who died for me. I have no reason why I should lie in sackcloth and ashes when you've given me these unsearchable riches and these unspeakable blessings you have dealt bountifully with me. And the Bible, my friends, is filled with those descriptions of blessing that the Lord has given. Think of Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Those are yours. They are yours as surely as Christ is yours. Use them in the fight, in the midst of trouble. That is what the psalmist is doing. Deal bountifully with me, O Lord, that I may live and keep your word. Show me your favour that I may live by your word. That's the first thing I'd love you to see. Second petition is for illumination, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. It's like, Lord, do not let my blindness, do not let my spiritual dullness allow me to miss a word of your word. Do not let my dimness, my dullness, my blindness, let me miss one word out of your words. Let me illustrate for you the power of this particular petition. If you go to Numbers 22, if you just remember, many of you will know the story. Numbers 22 is Balaam, the false prophet, who wanted to curse Israel and the donkey that he was riding. And you remember that that donkey saw something that Balaam did not see. The donkey saw an angel ready to strike down the false prophet and Balaam's eyes were blind to the spiritual reality in front of him. And in Numbers 22, 31, Balaam's eyes are opened and he sees what the donkey saw. It wasn't that it wasn't there before, it was that he was blind to the spiritual perception of it. 
Have you ever had that experience with the Word of God? You've read it a hundred times and the warm, comforting truth of the passage has never ministered its powerful balm to your heart. And on the hundred and first time, the Lord opens your eyes and it is like thunder, the power of his promise. Or you've never seen the warning and off you go, trailing after your own desires. And then suddenly in reading the word, the warning comes home to your heart. Your eyes are opened and you see the danger to your soul. In the Old Testament, there's another passage, 2 Kings 6, 17. That the passage where Elisha and his servant are surrounded on the mountain by their enemies and Elisha's servant is nervous about the situation and Elisha says to his servant why are you so scared because those who are with us are more than those who are against us and Elisha's servant looks around and says there are two of us Elisha and there are a lot of them and Elisha says Lord open his eyes and suddenly the servant sees a mountain filled with servants of the Lord. Not the greatest army of the world could have penetrated one step to them. His eyes were opened. And that's what the psalmist is saying. Lord, open my eyes. The words of life are here. It should remind you of the encounter at night with Nicodemus and Jesus. Nicodemus, the great teacher of Israel, the great teacher of the law, is blind. And the conversation even turns almost comical where Jesus says, unless the Holy Spirit opens your eyes, you cannot understand to see the kingdom of God, you cannot see the truth of his word. And Nicodemus responds, I do not understand. That's correct, because the Holy Spirit has to open your eyes. Commentaries are good. Good commentaries are even better. But never read commentaries without craving that God would open your eyes, that you would see wonderful things in his word. And out of the midst of trouble, the psalmist knows the thing he most needs is the word from God. And that word is God's word. He doesn't want to miss it, and neither should we. Thirdly, praying for guidance, verse 19. I am a sojourner on earth, hide not your commandments from me. It's like, Lord, I am a stranger in the world, let your word be my guide. I'm a stranger here, Lord, I don't belong here. This isn't where my treasure is, this world is not my home. I do not know the way in this world, this is not my home. If it were my home, I would know the way. It's not my home, so I need your word to be my guide. I'm a stranger here. The hymn says on Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye, wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. Do you believe that line that it is in Canaan where your possessions lie? Because so often we live in this life like here is where our resting place is. This is where our possessions is. This is where our home is. But we sing it is in Canaan, it is in the promised land, it is in glory, it is in the new heavens and the new earth where my possessions lie. This world is not my home. That whole hymn is about this. This whole psalm is about this. The hymn writer, the, the whole of the hymn, and I, I provided the words for you already. I'm bound for the promised land, I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who would come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. Or all those wide extended plains shines one eternal day. There God the sun forever reigns and scatters night away. No chilling winds or poisonous breath can reach that healthful shore. Sickness and sorrow, pain and death are felt and feared no more. When I shall reach that happy place, I'll be forever blessed. For I shall see my father's face and in his bosom rest. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're a pilgrim bound for the promised land? That hymn is playing out the petition of verse 19. I'm a sojourner on earth, hide not your commandments from me. 
And the last thing I want us to look at is in verse 20. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times, praying for an increase in desire for God's word. The psalmist is saying, Lord, I'm utterly enthralled. I yearn and ache for your word. Grace plants in us an insatiable desire for the word of God. It does. It plants in us an insatiable desire for the word of God. So we can say we do not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from God's mouth. And when grace is at work in you, far from Laodicea and lukewarmness, the grace-filled believer follows hard after God, pursuing the enjoyment that only God can give, following the way that only his word reveals. And that enjoyment, far from taking the edge off the enthrallment and that desire and that delight in God's word, only makes you yearn and ache for it more. Is that your experience about God's word? Do you have an appetite for God's word? Do you need to hear his promises? Do you need to hear them over and over so they get deeper and deeper in your heart? One reason why God's comforting word doesn't penetrate into our situations of trouble like we need it to is not because of his lack of power, but because of our lack of pursuit of that word. We don't stay with it long enough till its principles have permeated every atom of our being and changed the way that we look at the trouble that we are in. The psalmist has given us a recipe for sorrowing yet rejoicing, for facing trouble yet believing, for living as a pilgrim, a sojourner in a strange land, a foreign land, at the same time as one who possesses the whole world in Christ. Do you want to know how to do that? Do you want to live in his words? Let's read Psalm 119. God bless the word for his glory.